Welcome to How to Go Vegan podcast. I'm Trish Roberts. Hopefully you've looked at the introduction to plant-based nutrition, which included information about vitamin B12. If you haven't listened to that particular episode, I invite you to do so before listening to this one. Before I start, I would like to say that at times I'm going to compare animal sources of various nutrients with plant-based sources. If I do this, it's to demonstrate the clear health issues backed by science. Although I do this, I want to be clear that for me and for other vegans, it wouldn't matter if animal source nutrients and animal products were better health-wise for us, and even if they were not harmful, I would not consume them because they are products of great violence, and also because we can be vegan and we can easily meet our nutrition requirements from plants and other non-animal sources. But I will demonstrate the differences between plant versus animal sources with some examples of non-animal nutrition studies to demonstrate how superior a plant-based diet is. Some of the information I'll provide in these episodes about nutrition are sourced from a site, nutritionfacts.org, which personally I find very beneficial. It freely provides regular science-based public information on the latest nutrition research, so I invite you to check it out. And please read my full disclaimer about external sites. So now I'll talk about calcium and why it's important that we make sure we are consuming adequate amounts. We hear so much about the importance of calcium for the formation of bones. Sadly, we are inundated with misinformation from advertisements, mainstream media, blogs, books, the medical profession, and so forth, on how dairy is the desirable and major source of calcium. But the link between dairy and calcium is the result of continual advertising campaigns by the very powerful and influential dairy industry. Yes, cow's milk does contain a substantial amount of calcium, but putting aside the ethical issue, it comes with a lot of negative health outcomes. Not only do various sources suggest we consume dairy, but surprisingly they also recommend we take calcium supplements. It's unfortunate that we regularly see dairy products being promoted to us and to our children as the necessary and desirable source of calcium. It's generally promoted by the mainstream as if there is no other good source and adequate source of calcium that is equal to dairy. Even many medical professionals, who we would think would know better by now, promote dairy consumption in their practices. The mainstream media online and in printed form promote dairy relentlessly and this propaganda goes virtually unchallenged. Our dairy consumption is not only responsible for the deaths of tens of millions of non-human animals each year, but many health studies reveal the tremendous health costs. The environmental destruction and contribution to climate change by the animal industry is great, more than 51% of anthropogenic greenhouse gases. So first, since this is a vegan podcast, I'd like to say if we are eating animal products, wearing animal products, or using animals in any way, we are participating in violence, no matter how nicely we think we treat them. It's morally wrong. Our consumption of dairy products is a tragedy for hundreds of millions of cows each year. In fact, it is a feminist issue if we consider what takes place in the industry. Cows' reproductive systems are manipulated and exploited. 
Dairy cows are bred to produce huge quantities of milk for far longer than is natural. Dairy cows are repeatedly impregnated on devices called rape racks or by a bull. They suffer psychologically and physically. They have many health problems which require antibiotics and other drugs. Mothers have their children stolen from them and they grieve for days. And eventually all dairy cows are killed no matter whether they are from a massive industrialized farm or a small mom and pop farm. In the end, they all wind up at the same horrific slaughterhouse. Most of the male children are killed as early as a few days old since male calves are a byproduct of the dairy industry. And all of this horror takes place so we can enjoy a few moments of palate pleasure and ingest this particularly unhealthy and unnecessary animal product. If you want to find out more about dairy and what's involved in the dairy industry production, I invite you to please listen to the episode Humane What's in a Word. Here's a glimpse at how dairy products damage our health. A Swedish research team followed 100,000 men and women for up to 20 years and it was revealed that milk-drinking women and men had higher rates of death, more heart disease and significantly more cancer for each glass of milk. Three glasses a day was associated with nearly twice the risk of death and women had significantly more bone and hip fractures too. Men did not seem to have as high a rate of fracture. As far as our bone health is concerned, the journal Pediatrics reports that cow's milk consumption does not improve bone integrity in children. Other studies show calcium from cow's milk does not prevent stress fractures in adolescent girls. The Harvard Nurses Health Study, which followed more than 72,000 women over 18 years, showed no protective effect of increased cow's milk consumption on fracture risk. An Australian study echoes these findings and shows that consumption of animal products, including dairy products, actually harms bone strength by increasing the loss of calcium through urination. So let's talk about calcium. What are the benefits of calcium? Calcium is very important in the formation of bone and also plays a significant role in the contraction of muscles and secretion of certain hormones and enzymes and an important role in the clotting of blood. It also assists in the expansion and contraction of blood vessels and has a role in neurotransmission and assists the bone in the release of neurotransmitters. Can I get enough calcium from a balanced plant-based diet? In short, absolutely we can. Most plant food contains calcium. It's not in short supply in the plant kingdom. Obviously, obtaining calcium from plants is much better in an ethical sense and also from a health point of view. But before I get to the good news about plants in relation to calcium, I'll speak about some of the negative impacts of dairy on our health. First, let's not overlook the fact that we are the only species that drinks secretions from another species. A cow's milk is not meant for us. We steal it from her and her baby. Her milk is meant for her baby, so she or he can grow very quickly to weigh a few hundred pounds. From plants we get fiber, folate, iron and antioxidants, as well as vitamin K, a very important factor for bone health. None of this we can find in milk. But what we will find in milk 
is saturated butterfat, cholesterol, lactose, antibiotics, pesticide, pus, and manure. According to nutritionfacts.org, a site which provides science-backed information about a plant-based diet, dairy products from the U.S., quote, have the highest allowable pus concentration in the world, end quote. U.S. standards for dairy milk allow one cubic centimeter of commercial cow's milk to have up to 750,000 somatic cells, common name is pus, and 20,000 live bacteria before it is kept off the market. That amounts to a whopping 20 million live bacteria and up to 750 million pus cells per litre, which is a bit more than a quart. It allows a certain level of faeces and other waste products be included and still be considered healthy. The industry continues to argue that it doesn't matter how inflamed and infected the udders of dairy cows are, pasturation cooks the pus, so there's no food safety risk. Dairy often contains all the contaminants of production from animal products, substances the cows have been given or have eaten to increase their size or increase milk production, and which are then found in their milk. In particular, sex hormones, bovine growth hormones, and many millions of pounds of antibiotics are directly fed to cows and other animals each year. This then appears in the milk, and so appears in all dairy products, and these can cause a range of problems. Other species are also fed to cows, including euthanized dogs and cats. Concern has recently focused on Posalac, a Monsanto product fed to cows to increase the level of insulin-like growth factor 1, IGF-1, to increase milk production. IGF-1 is important for babies, cows and humans, to increase growth, but post-infancy it is implicated in cancer formation, particularly breast and testicular cancer. The number of normal cow hormones, about 52, found in milk are also problematic and between those and the human added ones seem to be responsible for a range of effects from early sexual maturation in girls to the development of breasts and other estrogen related changes in men. Additionally, cow's milk often contains anti-inflammatories, painkillers, antifungals, antimalarials, steroids, all given to cows to keep them healthy, as well as unintentional additions like pesticides and herbicides, PCBs and dioxin in feed. Neurotoxins have also been found in cow's milk and have been linked to Parkinson's disease. Cow's milk and soft cheeses also have the potential to carry listeria, which causes vomiting, diarrhea, abortion in pregnant women, miscarriage, and as I mentioned earlier, sudden infant death. Dairy milk also has some potential in passing on Crohn's disease from a mycobacteria and mad cow, or BSE, through microscopic prions, or to stimulate diabetes through lactalbumin. If we are not vegan and we depend on dairy products for calcium, this opens up to a range of other problems. Putting aside the obvious ethical issue I've mentioned already, dairy is notoriously high in cholesterol. 
Unlike dogs who are omnivores and who are able to remove cholesterol from their system easily, we humans are not able to do so very effectively. In reality, our systems are just not meant to handle animal cholesterol. That's why we develop heart and circulatory problems. The lactase gene normally operates in human breastfeeding in infancy and also helps us digest cow's milk. It is also normal for the lactase gene to shut down after infancy when breastfeeding ends. Many people become lactose intolerant, particularly those of Asian, African, South American, Southern European and those of Australian indigenous heritage. It is mainly those of Northern European descent where this gene, meant for breastfeeding babies, remains active later in life. Lactose intolerance is a sign of lactose maldigestion, which in the extreme case of intolerance results in diarrhea, bloating and abdominal pain. Not all maldigestion results in these extreme symptoms and there are those who can eat some dairy products containing lactose and while it falls short of intolerance, it may cause gas and cause changes in colon microflora, increasing acid levels, potentially causing infection. Not only is there a potential for maldigestion with dairy products, but the uptake of calcium from plants is nutritionally better than from cow's milk. Instead of saturated fats typical of dairy, we are likely to obtain a range of vitamins, particularly vitamin K and several B vitamins, along with our calcium from plant-based sources. Most colic and other digestive problems in infants fed cow's milk formula are due to the fact that cow's milk is not identical to human milk and creates digestive problems. It's recommended that dairy is not fed to infants or children. But here's another reason which is very important. Firstly, human studies reveal that fetuses can start developing arterial plaque in utero due to the cholesterol in animal products their mothers consume. That's a frightening fact. But here's something even more disturbing. SIDS, or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, or Crib Death, is the leading cause of death for healthy infants after one month of age. One in ten infants in the U.S. have recurrent apneic episodes, that's episodes where they suddenly stop breathing and cannot be saved, and die of SIDS. That's six babies who die this way every day. Why do I mention this? Because casomorphin, one of the opioid compounds found in our stomachs when we drink milk, is linked strongly to infant apnea, which refers to when a baby stops breathing. I'll take a couple of small excerpts from nutritionfacts.org online and please read my disclaimer about external sites. There's been reports of cases of breastfed infants with recurrent apnea episodes, which have always been preceded by his or her mother's consumption of fresh cow's milk. Lab tests reveal a high level of casomorphin in the child's blood leading researchers to speculate that it was the, quote, opioid activity that may have a depressive effect on the respiratory center in the central nervous system and induce a phenomenon called milk apnea, end quote. I could spend another hour just talking about the problems with just this one animal product, cow's milk, but I'll continue on with my presentation. 
So these are just some of the problems with dairy consumption. Now we come to the good part of this segment about eating a plant-based diet and calcium. Phytate is a naturally occurring compound found in all plant seeds, meaning all beans, grains, nuts and seeds. Studies reveal that men and women who consume more high phytate foods had stronger bones as measured in their heel, spine and hip. The researchers conclude that dietary phytate consumption had protective effects against osteoporosis and that low phytate consumption should be considered an osteoporosis risk factor. This is consistent with reports that phytate can inhibit the dissolution of bone similar to anti-osteoporosis drugs like Fosamax but without the negative side effects. A follow-up study found the same thing. Improved bone density in those that consume the most phytates, but this is the most convincing study to date, actually measuring phytate levels flowing through women's bodies and following bone mass over time. And women with the highest phytate levels had the lowest levels of bone loss in the spine and the hip, and so no surprise that those who ate the most phytates were estimated to have a significantly lower risk of major fracture and lower risk of hip fracture specifically. This is thought to be in part because phytates help block the formation of bone-eating cells and their bone-eating activity. If we are eating a balanced plant-based diet full of whole foods, leafy green vegetables, beans, grains, nuts, and if we have adequate vitamin D levels in our blood, then we should not require calcium-enriched plant-based foods, nor should we need to take vegan calcium supplements. But the problem with some of us is we might have leafy green vegetables in the fridge and we forget about them and don't eat them. We just have to ensure we are actually eating fresh food and not watching them rot in the fridge. The reality is that many plant-based foods particularly beans and leafy green vegetables, have adequate calcium and calcium in plants is often absorbed more easily by our bodies. There are varied recommendations as to how much calcium we need daily. Many of these recommendations range from 600 to 1000 to 1800. One study suggested that taking more than 600 milligrams did not improve one's bone integrity. I tend to aim for 600 milligrams per day. Examples of how much calcium is contained in various food may vary online. But here's some examples. One cup of collard greens contains 357 milligrams of calcium. One tablespoon of blackstrap molasses has 200 milligrams of calcium. A cup of cooked kale has 179 milligrams. Half a tin of vegan baked beans, that's 210 grams, has approximately 120 milligrams of calcium, approximately the same amount of calcium as a half a glass of milk, but without all the cholesterol, hormones, pus, neurotoxins, and of course without the animal torture and death associated with it. Most beans and legumes have adequate amounts of calcium. Black-eyed peas, red beans, chickpeas, hummus, falafels, Latin bean dishes, tofu, peas, or dal. Beans are great, inexpensive, nutritious, and versatile, and we can incorporate them in all kinds of ways in our diet. 
cooked beans eaten regularly, along with grains as whole grain products, along with some dark leafy veggies, nuts and fruits, will address our calcium needs, as well as giving us most of the nutrients we need. Leafy greens are often a good source of calcium, and not just spinach, but any leafy dark green vegetable, like chard, kale, rocket, radica, broccoli rabe, or collard greens, and is absorbed twice as well as the calcium in milk. Even the humble orange contains 55 milligrams of calcium. That's one-sixth of the calcium of a glass of cow's milk, and we're talking about a source no one would think of as a calcium source. We can easily obtain our 600 milligrams with a balanced plant-based diet. Once we've worked out the principles of healthy eating and we keep an eye on our vitamin D blood levels, we shouldn't really need to pay much attention. It's all about creating healthy habits in our eating and this is important for anyone. Nuts are a little bundle of various nutrients. Good fats, calcium, magnesium and other nutrients. A handful of almonds, 10 almonds, which is a good amount to eat each day for the incredible benefits they bring, is the equivalent of 30 milligrams of calcium. Ground sesame seeds are another source of calcium. Anyway, what we should take from this is that calcium can be easily sourced from plants. Anyone considering calcium supplements should first consider that the ones on the shelves are often crushed cow bones and therefore not vegan. But let's also consider that not only does a healthy balanced plant-based diet provide enough calcium, but that sourcing calcium or any nutrient via our food is much more beneficial. We should also consider that too much calcium, if taken in supplement form and in a bolus dose, can cause a range of health problems. High blood calcium level can lead to calcification of arteries, circulation and heart problems. Why do calcium supplements increase heart attack risk, but not when we ingest calcium naturally in our diet? According to studies, it would seem that when we take calcium supplements, we get a spike of calcium in our bloodstream that we would not get just eating calcium-rich plant foods. Within hours of taking calcium supplements, the calcium levels in the blood greatly increase and can stay elevated for as long as eight hours. This then produces a hypercoagulable state, which is when our blood clots more easily. That could then lead to increased risk of embolisms or clots in the heart or brain. Elevated calcium blood levels are tied to higher heart attack risk and stroke rates. So the mechanism may be calcium supplements lead to unnaturally large, rapid and sustained calcium levels in the blood, which can have a variety of potentially problematic effects. According to Nutrition Facts, as far as I can ascertain, this doesn't necessarily apply to vegan calcium-enriched nut and soy milks. But since calcium-enriched plant-based milks can often contain the equivalent milligrams of calcium to each mill, just to be on the safe side, it might be preferable to just ingest small amounts at a time, say 50 to 100 mils, spread throughout the day. Anyway, it's probably not an issue, but might be something we might like to be mindful of. But if we are eating a balanced plant-based diet and eating plenty of nuts, beans and leafy green vegetables, 
and keeping an eye on our vitamin D levels. And if you listen to the podcast episode on vitamin D and magnesium, we understand why D and magnesium are important for calcium uptake, we probably don't need calcium supplements. Of course, having our blood levels checked by our doctor every year or so to check for vitamin D and B12 levels and other functions is probably a good idea for anyone, vegan or non-vegan. But unless there is some indication of low calcium levels, we shouldn't worry or take vegan calcium supplements. I'll continue on in the next episode about vitamin D, calcium and magnesium and talk about calcium in relation to vitamin D. I invite you to listen to those episodes. Thanks for listening. Till next time, bye for now.